0: Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste.
1: Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, September 26th, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am in the house with Steve Say. Hi. Bob Ryer. Ciao. And Stephanie Cook. Hello. It's three weeks in a row, Stephanie. You've been with us. I
2: know, Three I know. weeks in a row. I'm it's, so excited to be here. It's
1: pretty <laughs> impressive. So, um, the show obviously goes up on Wednesdays, we do record it on a Tuesday, and, uh, Today is my mom's birthday, September 25th. Happy birthday to your Happy mom. Birthday. It's my mom's birthday, so I wanted to give a little shout out to my mom on the podcast. Um, today we have some cool stuff to talk about. We're going to be talking about our books of the week, obviously. Some more DC, New 52, Zero Issue talk. Um, and also, uh, the Dark Knight Returns uh, anime movie came out on Blu-ray today, the part one. And so uh, Bob is going to give us a little history lesson on... You know, what Batman was like before Dark Knight Returns. What was, <laughs> Dyke
3: Knight Returns. <laughs> Dyke, Knight. Uh, Dyke Knight. Returns. Dr. Wortham would be shocked. <laughs> shocked, I say.
1: Uh, Dark Knight Returns. Before it came out, after it came out. And, you know, we're going to join in on that discussion as well. And he also has a list of uh, some Batman stories everybody should read. Um, before we get to that, though, uh, Steve, we have an iCollect feature coming up. Yes. Uh, it's... Uh, it was supposed to be up already, but because of me, it's being a little bit delayed. Tell the folks at home what's going on with iCollect.
0: Well, iCollect, uh, as you may or may not know, uh, we're going to be starting kind of a art section uh, on Talking Comics. And one of the features that we're going to have is called iCollect, where everybody basically gets to show off not just their weekly hauls, but their entire collections. So get your pictures together. Uh, we're going to have ten short, relatively short, uh, Questions for you to answer Kind of interview you a little bit And uh, that's going to get going real soon I wanted to give Bobby a chance to You know show his lists, And they're really great if you haven't checked them out yet And uh, so that's starting up soon So don't think I've forgotten about it And uh, get your stuff ready <laughs>
1: So uh, yeah speaking of my list I just put up uh, 10 to 1 uh, It's up now if you guys are uh, At com If you guys haven't seen it yet And Steve off mic you told me you had
0: one thing That you would switch around Well I'm curious about something Okay bring it on Um, you ended up liking Wonder Woman more than Supergirl. I did, yes. Explain. Um,
1: No, I really like, I I, I love both books. And of course, when you get that high on a list, it becomes very slight differences. Um, My one thing with Supergirl is I do feel like sometimes the writing gets a little bit, like I said, wordy in in my face, gets a little bit on the nose where they're kind of explaining out emotions a little bit too much. And that stuff always turns me off a little bit. So it was just that one little bit that knocked it down for me. Um, Wonder Woman just kind of like blindsided me. Like I, I, I had, I've only, I'd only read issue one, and then I had stopped reading it. And then when I was doing this feature, I caught up with it and just read through all fall all issues. And um, I love the the mythology aspect of it, and it feels to me like Greek myths, but just Wonder Woman is there, you know, right. and she's involved in it. And, um, and like I said in my th- piece, I said that you know, obviously. I understand what Bob is coming from where he feels like the character is different than it used to be and it's not the character that he wants her mm-hmm. to be. Um and I totally I totally can see that, but I I loved what was there and you know I, I'm anxious to see where we get to with mm-hmm. that series and what happens to it because they've done a great job of making it feel totally separate from the rest of her world, you know, like you don't feel like batman or superman or imbalance any business coming in and helping her out with any of those things and i like that a lot yeah. about that book um it's got
0: some really strong characters too
1: it does i i i love like there was a big twist at the end of like i think it's issue 11 the twist happens mm-hmm. um with a character you thought was really good did something really bad and it blew me away i love the depiction of hades yeah it's like this little short imp thing with like this candle birthday crown. cake on his <laughs> head yeah. yeah um loved that stuff you know, and the, the cool thing about it too, I think Stephanie mentioned this when she was talking about it. Is it reminds me of reading the like Greek myths when I was in school. Mm-hmm. You know, all the stuff with Hera is, it, it, you know, it feels very something we say about comic book characters on model for Hera in the way that she is in all of the myths and stuff. You know, um, so I'm really really excited about it. Uh, obviously, gets a little bit violent at times, but I feel like Diana comes off very very well in the mm-hmm. book, both in the way she's drawn. And in the way she acts, Um, she feels like a hero to me. She feels like she's trying to do the right thing, you know, and she feels like she she's true to the loving everyone, you know, dictum, even though the people she comes from have not been that way, you know, Mm -hmm. so it feels like to me like a a, a character separating itself from her past. And I like stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Bob, you uh, want to say uh, something? No, no, say something, Bob. I want to hear.
3: No, no, because it's a rant I've been on before, so it's just it's useless to pontificate again. What I will say, it strikes me more as if this is Rob Zombie's Halloween and not John Carpenter's, (laughs) and that's kind of the problem. It's someone who is is using the tools and the settings of what came before, but without quite getting it. It it can make itself Mm. its own enjoyable thing. Mm -hmm. It's just not. What was and doesn't quite grasp the old concept, okay,
1: I get you on that that's that, that's that's fair, but I loved it. um the top three in the list are gonna be no surprise to anyone who ever listens to this show, but uh I'd love to hear what you guys think of the list if you guys want to comment
0: on that, but enough about the list um let's talk about books of the week, Steve, what do you bringing to us uh well i uh, of been reading a lot lately but one of the things that i wanted to bring to everybody's attention in case they didn't see my multiple tweets about it is that uh womanthology uh released they're releasing a couple of issues of womanthology space and number one from idw came out this past week and it is wonderful uh for people that don't know what womanthology is is it's a collection of like Little comic shorts that are done uh, primarily by women. I think the entire series is, uh, is made, inked, drawn, written, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, no it's. No Boys co- allowed.
3: Is <laughs> it stapled together by? It's the, it's the All Girls yeah. Club.
0: Um, so you've got let us see, one, two, three, four, you got five uh little snippets of story. Uh one of them including uh Space Girls by Stacey Ponder, who I've mentioned on the podcast a few times before, who yeah. does the RPG comic that I absolutely love, one of the uh only web comics that I, I pay attention to on a you know semi-daily basis. Um, and actually, in the very back, there is a uh, variant cover uh, drawn by Hanny Mode, who is, um, of oh. course, the artist of our avatars for Talking Comics. Very cool. So that was oh awesome. That is yeah. Right there. Um, so anyway, I mean. What it is, is just, like I said, it's a collection of short little stories. Some of them are really, really good. Um, Others are kind of like, you read it, and it was decent, and you move on. But one of them in particular that I really, really loved uh, was called Scaling Heaven, and it was by Alice Ross and Stephanie Hans, and it's just awesome. It, It reminds me of, like... Almost like a sister story or deleted scenes from a Captain Marvel comic. Uh, uh, Like it had a very Kelly Sue DeConnick type feel to it, Um, and the art I had mentioned in my review was like Dexter Soy on decaf. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was, it was had potential to be crazy, but Mm -hmm. just not pushing that envelope. But still very gorgeous Mm -hmm. and very, uh, very pleasing. Uh, Also, kind of reminded me of that game Mirror's Edge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, that's, a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. If you guys want something a little different, you want a comic with a bit of variety, and you want to support something in comics, that's a very, very worthy uh, cause, and, and just lots of good stuff are attached to Womanthology, and I hope that they keep doing these, and they do a lot more. So, um, that's one of my books for the week. Cool. Uh, what else you got for us? I know there's something you didn't like. Yeah. <gasps> Yeah, maybe we should talk about Catwoman number zero (laughs) for a couple of minutes. What a piece of shit this book was. (laughs) Um, I'm really, really disappointed with it. I was really hoping, kind of like uh, Greg Hurwitz had uh, turned Batman the Dark Knight around for me and came up with a really great uh, Scarecrow arc to kind of get me back in the mood for a dark Batman book, but uh, Ann Nocenti, who is the new writer on Catwoman, this was not this was not a good way for her to come onto uh this book. This origin story is a mess the <laughs> the the panels the story the the time signatures all over the place um the, the the reasoning for she obviously everybody knows she gets pushed out of a building or pushed off a building mm. um they're trying to mix in this this new thing now. I guess it's new. I don't know um that she, she might not be who she thinks she is. Selena Kyle doesn't exist. She's turns hmm. out to be now she's Russian okay. and she has a different name, but the file's been erased and she's a she's an adoptive she's been she's been moved around from um okay. you know adoptive home to adoptive
3: home. Doesn't it sound like the Black Widow yeah, somehow? It's, it's, it does sound yeah, like the Black Widow. But
0: my biggest problem with it is is the the motivation for her becoming Catwoman is is primarily She ends up in this in this, you know, uh, adoption agency that basically takes her and this other faceless child. We have no idea who he is. Um, And they force her to go around town and commit cat burglaries and bring them back to, you know, to get money for funding and shit. (laughs) Now, the problem with that is the motivation later on in the story is just that she never got to keep any of these things that she stole. So she has like a chip on her shoulder about it. And now that she's a grown woman and she knows a few martial arts and stuff like that, now she can steal things because she was deprived of them when she was stealing them for the agency. Yeah. And she just comes off as a brat (laughs) instead of like being this like, you know, capering, plotting, uh, you know female vixen of gotham she's just she's just a bratty little kid who didn't get to keep you know i don't know cookies at lunchtime i can't can't think of anything good for it right now
2: yeah um yeah is it possible that um the new writer is just sort of scooping out the litter of judd winnick's shit
0: (laughs) Uh, none of anything that, ha- I mean, there's zero issues. I none of Nothing that happens in this book, to my knowledge, uh, ties to anything that's gone on in the series so far. And that's another issue that I have is that this raises so many questions. It has so much unanswered material that I, unless she's going to, like with issue number 13, she's going to jump into some answers to some of the things that get posed in this book. This book was entirely pointless. Um, okay. And I know that it's difficult for a new writer to take on an origin story. Like your first job on this book is to rewrite the origin story of this new DC Fifty Two yeah. Catwoman. Right. But if this is the origin story they're gonna go with, mm-hmm. it's it's crap. Yeah. It's not. It, it doesn't. Ref, it paints her in a very bad light. And I've I've been a huge fan of her since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, she's always been a favorite of mine, and it just pains me to see how how far she's fallen off the off the train like it's just it's bad and it seems too like what you're saying is it's a different bad than the
1: previous stuff has been
0: yeah it's just it's very um it's one of those things where like you know you're a fan of the character and they announce a new writer and you're like oh it's a female writer maybe they'll have more sensitivity towards the character and this is this is not it I mean, I'll try to to check out the next issue or two just to see, because sometimes it takes a new writer to get their footing, Yeah, and I'll totally give her that, but I'm not, I wanted to be excited, I wanted to come back and be like, you know, like with Dark Knight, where we were like, yeah, now this is a book you should check out, that didn't happen with this, and with it being such a beloved character of mine, I'm still kind of left with my hands in the air going like, shit. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Now, had Winnick hinted at any of this stuff before or is this all completely new not information
0: to, not to my knowledge i kind of dropped off of catwoman after the uh the batman event just because it was it was not good i didn't read any mm-hmm. of the um i guess the the dollmaker or dollface whatever mm-hmm. it was that um that arc but once she started like sleeping around with this other like electro dude or whatever the hell he was <laughs> static shock all grown up i just I, I completely lost interest. She's sleeping with Batman. She's sleeping with the new dude. Right. She's half of her clothes are off. Yeah. Oh, that was one thing about this. She zips up in the zero issue. Oh, she does. Ooh. So kudos <laughs> yeah. for that. It's so good to start. Yeah. Good yeah. job. It's yeah. you know finally, uh, and it's amazing. It's really sad actually that that's all it took was to take the the little ring on her zipper and just put it up to her neck. Yeah. She's still you know a very voluptuous character, but you're going to get that in this day and age. But at least you can. You know, be a, have a little bit of taste and yeah. just zip up a little bit. She can still be sexy without having her boobs flying to and fro. <laughs> it's true. Absolutely. Going back
2: to your point about um, her being really bratty from what you've explained to me. Like, I haven't read this issue yet, mm-hmm. but she almost sounds like um, like a female uh, Damien. No. <laughs> no.
0: No? No, absolutely not. Um, Damien is a... Well, was a completely different kind of brat. I mean, Damien, since the DC-52s... Two's oh,
2: stabby. Stabby?
0: Yeah. He was a stabby
2: brat. He yeah. is a
0: stabby brat. No, <laughs> she, she's not a stabby... She's a whiner, mm-hmm. is what she is in this. Like, I mean, you guys mm-hmm. can't see it, but I mean, right. just this page alone, she, like, she... The whole the whole thing behind her wanting to to burgle Gotham was that this woman that was you know in charge of the agency wasn't letting her keep anything, so she had to like you know hide stuff. Oh, I see. And yeah. when she she gets out of there, somebody I don't want to tell everybody the mm. whole book, but yeah. it's just it's just not good. It's yeah. And it's it's a completely different type of brat. I mean, the first couple issues of Batman and Robin, I think everybody wanted to strangle Damien mm-hmm. just because of the way he was treating Batman and and Bruce. Yeah. Um, but this is a totally different kind of monster. And, yeah. and I, it's going to take so much more to redeem her brattiness than it ever did for, for Damien's character. Damien kind of did it through, her act- through his actions. If they can turn Catwoman around in the next couple of issues, maybe the next arc will be a bit better, I hope. But I really just, I don't see it happening with the Zero issue, and I was really hoping that it would be a good jumping-on point for people. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's a good jumping-on point in a sense of that I don't think that anything's gonna tie into the issues to come, but I, and then again, we don't know, because it's this mm-hmm. where they might have something in mind, and yeah. I might be jumping the gun.
1: Maybe she's starting something with this issue that she's gonna bring back when she starts her run yeah. on the book. But, you know, it's interesting, because the Catwoman thing, is you said he, she does a weird thing with her origin, and I had like the opposite problem with uh, the Nightwing uh, Zero issue, yeah. which was just that it was, and it's not like their fault. I mean, they chose to tell this story. If you're going to tell the origin of Dick Grayson, like they change it, but they change it up very minimally, and it's just a story that we've seen a million... T- we know... You know the Robin origin... Like yeah. the Dick Grayson Robin origin backwards and forwards. So while it's a well-written issue and Tom DeFalco is actually okay. co-writer on it, it's a, it's, it's a well-written issue. It's just, you know, Dick's parents die and then Bruce adopts him and he figures out, you know... And it's really funny because there's a moment in the book um, where, you know, uh, you know, Dick has been kind of... Uh, Dick Grayson has been adopted by Bruce... And they've been around each other, and then you know what happens is Dick Grayson's going out at night, trying to find the person who killed his parents without Bruce knowing, without anybody knowing, and he runs into Batman at one point, and he figures out by Batman's kind of. Stature and the way he holds himself, that it's he's just doing the same thing that Bruce was doing when he met Bruce for the first time clenched mm-hmm. jaw, you know, stress here, you know, this. And he figures out that he's Bruce and he goes, I know you're, I know who you are because you're like me. And it made me think so much of The Dark Knight Rises, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. moment The Dark Knight Rises. But it's a well written story. It's just very well trodden, you know, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, And, you know, but that's, I think, an outlier in these zero issues. I think the zero issues have pretty much. Either manage to make themselves be um, unique, or uh, at least they go off in different ways to tell different stories that haven't been told before. Um, for instance, uh, well, I think I was really surprised how much I like sort of sorcery, um, amethyst, I liked it too. M- number zero. I w- I was really taken by it, and it doesn't give you a lot, but it's definitely a very good zero issue that you know it's an- another entry in kind of that fantasy side uh, of the universe, which isn't you know really highly. Uh, Represented in this universe, mm-hmm. and I really, really like that a lot.
0: Um, the art was absolutely awesome.
1: It was, and I really like the main character quite mm-hmm. a bit. And I loved the backup story. It's like this weird future Beowulf story, yeah. hmm. uh, and really, really cool, where they have to go find this kind of soldier who's been, you know, in like cryo sleep for years and years. And his name is Beowulf, and he t- they take them back to their kingdom where this monster called Grendel is killing people and things. So it's a story of Beowulf just done in a very futury kind of way. Uh, But it was a really cool book and if you like fantasy stuff I don't think that you can go wrong with it really. I thought it was really really entertaining. Um, And the same can be said too for uh, Justice League Zero which does the same thing that Jeff John's other Zero Issue Green Lantern does which is it's not a Zero Issue of You know The Justice League as a whole Because we already saw their zero issue We we started at the Mm -hmm. beginning with Justice League number one It's actually a zero issue for uh, Shazam, for Captain Marvel The
3: new angry Billy Batson
1: He is angry, but they've done a really good job of taking him When he first started out, he was a brat And kind of mean, but then as he's gone through The backups, which have been consistently good Throughout the Justice League books He's developed into a character where There's a reason why he's angry He's a kid who's been bounced around Foster homes his entire life you know, he's, every time he's tried to be a good person, it's been thrown back in his face, you know? He's never had people who cared for him or, and loved him the way that he, he probably should be loved. And it's a very big theme in this of him saying, too, that, you know, when you try to be good, you just get bad stuff back in return. Um, he's finally kind of hit a, hit a place where he's found a family that loves him, and he's begrudgingly began to accept them and feel welcomed by them, and he's been helping out... Uh, one of the uh other siblings who's been treated very badly and this is how he kind of stumbles into this um uh this the Shazam role he stumbles he kind of stumbles into the wizard's place or whatever and uh he gets the power because you know the wizard looks at him and says you you've done all these bad things um and then he looks closer and he goes but he sees the another layer that he's been trying to do these good things. He, he's helping out these people. He's he goes and feeds the tiger when no one else <laughs> will and stuff like that. And so he gives him the power and he says, Maybe maybe we've always been doing it wrong. Maybe giving to the person who seems like they're ready now is wrong. Maybe it's the potential that we should be looking for and not what's on the surface. And uh he becomes Shazam in this issue but it's interesting because it becomes another layer, of possibly stopping Billy from becoming the hero he's supposed to become. Because now he has all this power, and he's been so disadvantaged his entire life, he's he's going to try to use it to like make money and stuff. You know, he's almost like the mm-hmm. Spider-Man ty- type of thing. So it's cool, but the, you know, Black Adam is coming, and it, they're setting up something interesting. I, I would like actually to see a, a full Shazam like independent series. You know.
3: With the team that's doing this book. It might have to come out of the Justice League. It's failed four times already. Yeah. No matter who's mm-hmm. attempted it. It, it. Trying to be its initial incarnation back when they first brought it back in the 70s when DC reacquired the Fawcett stuff. Ordway, it, it's just never worked. So yeah. they're changing a lot here. Honestly, Captain Marvel is not Billy Batson. They're two separate individuals. Yeah, so yeah, here, yeah. I mm-hmm. guess they are, they're not. He's growing up.
1: Um, they still sort of are, you know? I mean, he's not Billy when he's big, but he still has, like, Billy's brain. It, it, okay, kind of that's, like, no, nice. that's
3: kind of, that's different from okay. originally. They are right. two separate people.
1: Yeah, so they're doing that, and uh, the the book also has the a backup that features the Pandora character, again, um, and is way better than the Phantom Stranger <laughs> full book, and it deals with her and kind of the box and what she's trying to do, and it also, again, starts hinting at the question, being reintroduced into the dc mm. 52 which is really cool it's a really good backup um really great issue i mean you know john's he's doing with the character what he does with characters right We did with green lantern we did with aquaman mm-hmm. he's doing the same thing to this character and if he can make it work I, I would love to see the character become a more central figure in the dcu because he's a great character um yeah so that's really for me uh, stephanie what about you
2: Um, Well, I've been reading a bunch of things this week. Um, First and foremost, I think um, I posted on our new forum on Facebook. um, (laughs) Hmm. I was talking about Why the Last Man a little bit. And um, I reread that and got to the end and just... um, I don't know. I loved the series. And um, I, I was so into it. Like, I read the whole thing in, like, a couple of days. And then the ending... I don't want to spoil it for anyone, so I won't say, like, what happens or anything for people who haven't gotten to that series yet, even though it's been out for a while. But um, it just wasn't really what I was expecting.
0: Ah, um, welcome to my side of the fence.
2: <laughs> Have you read it as well? No, Alvin? but you're...
0: Uh, Runaways, I, that's how I uh, felt. Where I was like, yay! Aww!
2: Well, I mean, it wraps up. Everything wraps up. But it was like, I felt like there was no payoff for the readers. Like they built up all this stuff that was going to happen and that was going on. And then everything that the whole series accumulated to just kind of was like, "Eh." (laughs) and so I, I I don't know what, how I feel about that very last issue. Like it almost spoiled the series a bit for me. So if you guys have thoughts on that, come talk about it. I started a thread on the Facebook page and I would love to hear what you think. Um, but aside from that, I also started uh, Batwoman,
4: Yeah, Not the okay. zero
2: issue, but the number one. And um, I got to say, I'm a little surprised because they pretty well pick up exactly where uh, Batwoman Elegy leaves off. Yeah, they do. Which, again, seems like one of those things where they didn't, you know, take into effect. Hey, rebooted universe, guys. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so. I mean she's included in the Batman universe, though. So that's the only reason why I feel like they probably didn't do it. And also, there's so little of her before the launch, the relaunch. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean there's only that really that one trade.
2: Yeah, to, and they really do sum it up pretty. Like Jage Williams sums it up pretty well in the images. Um, like he, in that one uh, full page spread, he kind of gives the whole Batwoman elegy you know, in pictures so that, you know, what happened and, you know, where she is now. So that's good. But I, I think I was just a little shocked that I, I expected it to be more of a, um, just fresh start. Yeah. Um, so I read that as well. And then I started a series, uh, called day tripper, which is, uh, oh, who's it by, uh, Fabio moon and Gabriel Boff Um, I don't know. Have you guys heard of it at all? I've heard
0: of it. I've seen it. And uh, Rob's Rob has a whole bunch of them in his basement.
2: Yeah, um, I read the first issue. And I, again, I, I don't know. I didn't really have like a really one book of this week that I was just like, ah, it was so great. <laughs> uh, it was just a lot of like things that I'm getting into and finishing up. And uh, Day Tripper, again, was one of the ones I was getting into. And it's really kind of interesting, weird story about this guy who's kind of living in the shadow of his father. Um, he's a writer, his father's a writer, but you know everything kind of gets um, eclipsed by what his dad does because he's such a famous figure. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that's sort of the impression I got in this issue number one. And um, so in addition to writing his own novel he's also like an obituary writer. <laughs> so um, they talk about basically just like he kind of discusses the lives of these people that he's writing about in the obituaries and um it's just a really interesting kind of almost like i don't know just like this comic about life in general with this sort of side story involving this guy um i i don't know how i don't know if that really explains it properly i think it does maybe Mm. once i've gotten into it a bit more i'll be able to kind of come back and give a better explanation but Um, the art's great and so far, I, it's got me really intrigued to kind of check out the rest of it, so. I actually have a question for you back
1: about Batwoman. Um, you mentioned that you were surprised that it kind of took, uh, right off from Elegy, but are you, are you enjoying it?
2: Yeah. Um, I, again, I love J.H. Williams III's art (laughs) and, um, I don't know, like, I like her, I like the story, um, she always has this bit of like edginess to her. Like she kind of, she kind of to me seems like this rival to Batman. Like Batman makes the appearance in that number one, and she's kind of just like, you know, standing her ground. She's like, "This is my case. Like, fuck off, Batman.
4: You are like <laughs> stepping
2: her. on my toes." Yeah. Um, and she just doesn't seem intimidated by him like the rest of the Bat crew. Um, she just seems to see him as sort of a partner and an equal. And I find that really interesting in the Bat family, um, especially after reading, again, like Batgirl, uh, both the Stephanie Brown and the Barbara Gordon versions of it. Um, She's a really great character. She's just so strong and so interesting and so different from everyone else in this universe. So, I mean, I've only read the first issue um, and I have a feeling um, when I'm going into the city today and I have my train ride, I'm going <laughs> to... Pile through it on my way there. It'll make the time fly. Right, yeah. <laughs> like a
0: bad. I don't know. <laughs> Did you get to read the zero issue yet?
2: No, no. It I'm I'm kind wonderful. of just reading them in order of when they came out. Right. Like yeah. I've got all the issues, mm-hmm. but um, I I just want to kind of make my way through them like everyone else did.
1: Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I'm really impressed. JH Williams as a a writer. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, his art is obviously gorgeous, but the writing has been really impressive and. Mara's review of uh, on the site of Batwoman number zero, yeah. like the first line made me want to buy it uh, immediately. Did and you y- read
0: it? I didn't read it. I know. Steve, you've. Yeah, it was. I read it. Um, in my opinion, it was of last week's Zero Issues. It was definitely the best one that I read. I read several of them. Um, it reminded me a lot. It's funny that I just read it and we were just talking about it. It reminded me a lot of Spider Man Blue. Okay. Um, it was almost all narrative, there was very, very little dialogue uh, in the issue, and it was like jam-packed like you want to talk about reading a comic and sitting (laughs) down to read a book like this is not just word bubbles or squares or whatever this is like a full-on however 26 pages whatever it is of full content you'll be sitting down with this for at least a good 20 to 25 minutes as opposed to like 10 or 15 um and it really 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 gives weight to her origin and you come to understand how like you were mentioning Steph how she sees Batman as an equal um, they really drive home why that is in this okay. issue and um it's a weird way to say it or to put it but I was like almost proud of her by the end of the <laughs> issue like with everything that she'd been through and then realizing who put her through it and why Yeah. Uh, It was very, very, very touching. And I was just like, when that last page comes, you're just like, fuck yeah, lace (laughs) up those boots. (laughs) So, and the cover, I think, has been probably the best of the zero issue covers, have been just not very good. Yeah, they're just whatever. Um, But the Batwoman one. Is awesome. Yeah. She's like kicking. Yeah, she's yeah. kicking and she's got the bat on, you know, the, the front of the boot or the front of the treads and then mm-hmm. the bottom has a W for Batwoman. Yeah. And it's just like I picture her smashing someone's face and them going home at the end of the night and looking in the mirror and just seeing the Batwoman symbol on <laughs> <in> their face <laughs> and knowing they got their ass kicked. Yeah. So I like it.
3: It's now, a really, really cool book. Now for someone who isn't reading it at all, which is me, mm-hmm. uh if I start at one or get that first trade, will I need a precursor by buying some of the old ones or
2: i i think the only thing you really need you don't even need to read it but i really love batwoman elegy Mm -hmm. um it's not just one of my favorite batwoman comics it's one of my favorite comics period
0: i would agree with that okay
2: um it's stunning there are so many panels by j.h williams um that are just what how does (laughs) you do that like it's so incredible because you look at these pictures and you look at all the interest intricacies that go into them and you are just like he's working on like 12 different levels to make this happen
4: mm-hmm.
2: like it's beautiful it's worth it for his art alone if the story wasn't great it would still be worth it for that but the story's awesome so it makes it extra okay. special in my opinion
1: so and there you go my beginning absolutely and so bob what is your book of the week?
3: Um, well, uh, Ghost Zero came out, but we're going to save that discussion for another day. Okay. <laughs> because we're going to do something about that. Yeah. Uh, it's Birds of Prey Zero I picked up this week. I was a big fan of the old series, mm-hmm. uh, both the Chuck Dixon and Gail Simona. Figured, okay, let me try this. We've got Barbara back in it after the Batgirl Zero, which was so good. Uh, it's Dwayne, I'm going to mangle this one, Dwayne Zwierzynski. It's
1: probably right.
3: Okay. <laughs> that,
0: looks like, that looks like
3: And right Romano there. Molinar. <laughs> that I know I have right, the double the broad double A, but this Swierzynski, I hope I didn't offend him too much. Uh, you reverse the leads here, where before it's Oracle who starts the Birds of Prey, here it's the Black Canary, in essence, because she's already undercover in the Penguin's Nightclub. He's a much different penguin than we've seen before. He's now sort of a real crime boss and not a comedy relief one. Um, and while uh, Dinah's undercover, she ends up, in conflict with Barbara. I don't want to give too much away here. But they get a grudging understanding of each other's abilities and so on. And it's not a bad buck. It's just sort of generic superhero. Yeah. And unfortunately, the Chuck Dixon version from way back in the day was anything but. I think as much because of the lead being Oracle. So right. that, that forced me to bring back <laughs> another oldie. Actually, the first Birds of Prey from way back in 95. And there you first meet uh Dinah who's had some bad trouble she was up in Seattle at that point. She's now completely broke. And all of a sudden is getting well, she's getting accosted in a parking garage and then's getting odd messages from someone named Oracle that she's never heard of before, who sets her on the trail of some uh how do we put this? It's eco terrorists who are doing some bad things and blowing up thousands of people at a time, and she puts him on the trail she puts her on a, on the trail of a um a financier who's doing all sorts of shady things, and and the paths intersect. We get lots of conflict, just lots of great dialogue. It's two very strong women characters as equals, and there's a there are a couple of moments here where you get to see how Oracle ends up being Oracle from being Barbara and her nightmares and her interferes, and a moment where she, the Black Canary is having some problems, and she tells her about well, you got to get up off the floor because I can't anymore. Right. That's just positively chilling. So, unfortunately, they've never collected this first Birds of Prey in any of the trades. Wow. But the book is still around occasionally really cheaply. It's called Black Canary Oracle Birds of, Play, Birds of Prey, and the story is one man's hell. So, take a shout out for that one.
1: Yeah, the Cerinsky, uh Birds of Prey, reading when I was going through all of them, I found it's n- nothing to be particularly wrong with it. It's just... Very generic. Middling. Yeah. It's just middling, exactly. Yeah. It's a good great word for it. It's just middling. And without that great lead character or that unique lead character, because it's not yeah. like Dinah's not a great lead character, no. it's just it, it's just another team. Yeah.
3: Some of the superheroines kicking people.
1: Yeah, and there's so many of them. So uh, it just yeah, I mean, I've never actually read any of the classic stuff. So mm. But I mean, Bob, you've been so positive about it. It must be great. Uh, yeah,
3: the, the new one is just. Um, I'm happy now. I didn't buy the other 12 issues leading up to this. I, I perused them in the store. You you fan through them. I like, Yeah, I, I'm not getting the feel. I wasn't even collecting these characters originally 15 years ago, and it was well, what a great looking book for this Gary Frank. So it right. looks amazing. And it's just, it was told from a different standpoint. Yeah. And this new one, again, as you're saying, not terrible. Mm-hmm. Just not great either. Yeah. Bleh.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Gary Frank is actually the penciler on the Justice League number zero. Oh. You know, the Shazam issue. So. And that looks beautiful as well. Uh, is there any books you want to talk about, Bob?
3: Nope. That does it for me.
1: All right. So that's it for our book of the week segment. We're going to take a little break and we're going to come back with Bob's Batman history lesson. are back and I'm going to turn it over to Bob who um, Dark Knight Returns is obviously a milestone Batman story. Uh, the movie came out this week and you know we know it as a milestone story but we were not there when it, when it was released. We do not know what it was like, what Batman was really like before that and how it really changed everything. So Bob, first I want to ask you What was it like when it came out? Was it as big a deal then as it is now?
3: Sure it was. Batman wasn't in a bad place, but for the previous five or six years, sort of drifted. Just sort of the generic stories we were talking about before. It was just motoring along and it'd be a good story, a bad story. Characters were fine. They were in the same place they had been for years. Dark Knight changed everything. It really did. It was a again. It is an Elseworld story. It's a it's an alternate future which has gotten lost in the in the shuffle over the years. But it really gave you a look at if you extended Batman's lifespan, so to speak, as a hero. What what would he be like? How jaded would he have become? Right. Yeah. Years and years of looking mm-hmm. at, at bad guys in Gotham going down the drain. And Frank Miller there took it to a really. A high level of political intensity. He's a very political fellow himself. Yeah. Um, what, it, Without giving the ending away, it, it ends up in a very hopeful place, amazingly, does, yeah. as opposed to what I think outside opinion of it now mm-hmm.
1: is. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Or even his second bite <laughs> of this apple.
1: Yeah, which is horrible. Um, so it was a g- phenomenon when it Huge came out. event. And yeah. it
3: was right on the... Uh, yeah, it's also on the heels of the crisis. Mm-hmm. And then you, everything at DC was being rebooted... What what a concept <laughs> never happens. Um, you 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 went then right into year one and Man of Steel and George Perez's Wonder Woman. They they were trying something different. It's okay. Here's a break from what we were doing. Right. We're going to start to be a little more grown up about things. And then Watchmen's the next year.
1: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. The, so it kind of was the start of almost a, a trend.
3: Really. A very big trend mm. that now you know you were now five years in, sort of to the direct market yeah. idea, where now there were just comic stores and not just newsstands. That was one of the things that pushed it because that book on a newsstand was going to get lost. It was going to end up behind Archie Comics and everything else where it needed the attention of bookstores. Or literary critics reviewed it and handsomely.
1: Right. So, okay. So, Steve, um, you're yeah. the only one of us have, has seen uh, part one of the movie already. Um, before we get
0: into Bob's history lesson, what did you think of uh, the movie? Um, I enjoyed it very, very, very much. Uh, I had one... Uh, issue with it. But uh, without getting into too much details, because I don't want to spoil uh, anything for anybody since it comes out today or yesterday or whatever mm. day this is. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, Tuesday is the day. <laughs> anyway, um, I really, really enjoyed the Batman aspects of it. I thought it was handled very well. Um, I started reading the actual um, The Dark Knight Returns comic. Um, I got my hands on it, and I started reading it, I think, last night or this morning. It's kind of blurry. <laughs> and um, I can tell you this. It's another one of those things where like batman year one that was released not too long ago where it's pretty much panel for panel it's it's the comic book come to life on the screen right from the page um so diehards are going to be very very impressed and very um satisfied to know that um and also the dialogue is like is taken right off the page which right. is which is excellent okay um the only thing uh the only two things that i i've Found were um, there's a lot of uh, like uh, newscasting and um, just broadcasts of things Mm -hmm. going on. Um, I didn't. I I felt the even the couple pages that I read in the comic. I felt the the threat of this new group that's in this uh, in this story called the mutants and uh, what they are basically is just a psychotic gang within Gotham that now that so much time has passed, Batman hasn't been seen or heard from in ten years that there's this new threat by, and they're like these almost like futuristic uh, Cyclops visor-wearing punks yeah, uh, who love to say the words slice and dice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, they do. My only problem with them as far as the film goes, I don't know, I haven't read too much of the comic, but in the film, my problem was that all you ever saw of them, like you or the threat that they posed to Gotham, you only heard about it. You never mm-hmm. got to see them do anything right and when they were on screen, with the exception of the leader, all of the other ones just came off as lackeys, mm-hmm. like they didn't really come off as a threat to me, and that was kind of my problem with the movie where the Batman stuff was so great, and the chemistry between him and Alfred, which is always a very important thing for me, was spot on and uh, highly enjoyable. The new Robin takes a little getting used to. Carrie yeah. Kelly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I warmed up to her eventually, mm-hmm. and I think that she'll have uh, a bigger role in the second part. Mm-hmm. But um, that was pretty much it, though. Like, just the the mutants don't—they're—they're they're talking about them being the worst thing since you know the Joker. And I just don't see it. Yeah. I don't, I didn't feel it. I didn't see it. Um, and all they did was talk about it. Right. I didn't get to actually watch them doing any of the things. Not that you want to see them kill a nun in the street <laughs> right. in a movie or anything, but just, you know, it's like they, you talk about how bad they are and then they come on to camera and they're like, oh, we're going to slice and dice. And, oh, look, he's really into it, man. Oh, that takes the fun out of it. Let's go to the arcade and go do this instead. And yeah. I'm like, that's the big bad threat like he's not into it so you just want to go and do something else Yeah, like I get that you need that fear to get you off to commit the crime but it just it just didn't if you're talking about Joker level Mm -hmm. threat or possibly worse than that you got to give me more than these guys to to make me uh, you know feel for it but uh, all that being said I really enjoyed it I think that it's going to work much better when the second part comes out and you watch it as a whole yeah um, they leave it off at a really good spot. And, um, th- like I said, just the Batman stuff, the you you feel like he's been out of the game and watching him. Come back, and 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 you know the whole movie. You're working your way up to him becoming the Batman again at this older age. It's not like Rocky, where it's just a montage of him getting fit.
1: <laughs> right, yeah, you yeah. know,
0: he gets his ass kicked. Yeah, oh, yeah. And that's not something that you get to see all the time in the Batman films. In the comics, you see it again and again. Um But in the films, they kind of leave that part out because they want you know the general public to see him being the hero. Right. Yeah. Of course. You know, seeing the hero getting his ass kicked. Not everybody can you know people that are just there for the character on the surface they're not going to really get into that Mm -hmm. might take too long for them for him to recover right um so in that regard uh it's awesome i think everybody should look forward to it and if you haven't seen it or picked it up um you should get that along with your avengers uh right today (laughs) absolutely Mm um how was the voice cast how was peter weller Peter Bell was very good. Uh, it's not Kevin Conroy. Yeah. So, you know, sad. <laughs> but uh, he does a very good job. And I'm not one of these people that thinks that only one person has to, you know, voice Batman. Right. I do believe that Conroy does it the best, but it doesn't mean that you can't have other people do it. Mm-hmm. Um but the he does a great job. I mean, he's supposed to be an older, grizzled, retired Batman. Yeah. And you you can feel the you can hear the exhaustion in his voice. And that exhaustion slowly builds into a rage. And then the rage builds into, like, a mission. Yeah. And he's just... He's not only out to to prove it to himself that he can still do it, but he's out there to prove it to Gotham. He feels like he has to take his city back. And that, Mm. you know, uh, retiring the Batman was a bad idea all along. And it's just a matter of whether his body can tolerate it or not. Right, yeah. So, um... And just how Robin comes into the whole picture of how she kind of just takes it upon herself to do what she does. Uh, I thought was really cool that there wasn't any kind of elaborate backstory to her. That she was kinda like, Hey, Batman's pretty cool. I think I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. try to be like there hasn't if the Batman's coming back, there's obviously no Robin running around. Yeah. I'll I'll do it. I'll right. try it. I took gymnastics when I was five. <laughs> right. And um I don't know. I mean it's it's really good quality animated Batman. Sometimes the better Batman stuff is the animated stuff, yeah. and this is definitely part of that catalog. So Very cool, very cool. So, oh. Stephanie, you want to say something?
2: Yeah, just quickly. Did you guys happen to see that video that was released um, a couple of weeks ago where that was a Catwoman Batman anime?
0: No. Was that the one see? tied to year one?
2: No, it was like um, 1960s, like... It was like, what would happen if Batman was like 1960s and in Japan?
0: Ooh. Oh, no, I never, no. No, I never even heard of it. No.
2: Oh, my God. Okay, I'll I'll post it up for everyone um, on the post today for, well, you know, the podcast. Um, because <laughs> it's something that everyone should watch and petition to have made. Because it's so freaking cool. Awesome. So. Very that, awesome. That's my little two cents. Mm. I just wanted to know if anyone had seen it.
1: No, I haven't. But that's, we, that's really, we, really cool. We will now. We will now. Absolutely. Um, So, Bob, I'll, you know, when... When people ask, what comic book should I read? I haven't been reading comics. A lot of people will say Dark Knight Returns. You know, A lot of people won't go back before Dark Knight Returns mm. to read any Batman stories. Um, tell us a little bit about Batman before Dark Knight Returns.
3: Okay. Uh, with, hopefully we're not covering too much ground that everyone's heard before. But Batman first appears in Detective 27, which is May 1939. So it's only a year after Superman. And National wanted... A human character. They wanted something a little different, so went to Bob Kane and his studio people, Bill Finger, who who wrote most of the Batman stories, though never got any credit for about fifty years, <laughs> uh, and Jerry Robinson, who eventually would create the Joker. And Kane always said, eventually, when he was saying how he created, it, oh, he it was from Da Vinci, and it's it's from Zorro and the Scarlet Pimpernel and the Shadow, and everybody else could get his hands on, and they cobbled together this wonderful story of of a, a boy whose parents are murdered. Mm -hmm. and decides to take that vengeance. Now, early on, it was vengeance. Batman used a gun. He shot vampires and Hugo Strange's henchmen with a machine gun from an airplane. He was a pretty badass character. Mm -hmm. And they started to back away from that a little bit. And eventually, by, I guess it's Batman issue four, he actually was saying, Batman does not carry a gun, and he does not shoot people. And they introduced Robin to sort of lighten up the whole thing. Tell a different kind of story as of getting into the war, but it's he's still a detective at heart. But even that lighter Batman got them into trouble with Dr. Wortham and his crusade against comic books where he described them as the uh, I want to make this quote exactly right that Batman and Robin living together, let alone with Alfred in the house. It's like a wish dream of two homosexuals living together.
0: Indeed, but <laughs> <Right. laughs> right. really well, he was,
3: that. He was uh, Wortham was a problem, and that's where comics all disappeared during the fifties. Now, under that cloud, what ended up happening is Batman got really silly, and I'm only bring this all up because it. it, it It's what informs what was going to happen. Batman got very science fiction monsters and and, and sending them to other planets and through time. He would end up being the giant Batman, the genie Batman, the zebra Batman, the clay Batman, the rainbow Batman. (laughs)
0: The zebra Batman? Yeah. He he walks
3: in front of some ray beam and turns zebra. I want that. Not with, not with four legs and a tail, but just black and white stripes all over uh, the place. No, I don't want it. Now, how does, how does Bruce Wayne hide, you yeah. know, looking like a zebra? Right. <laughs> yeah, so and, and tons of stuff. I mean, there's interesting art by a guy named Dick Sprang back then, for the most part, but the writers, uh, Shelley Moldoff, uh, Bill Finger was even doing some of this, were doing all this awful, awful stuff that they hated doing. Mm-hmm. And you ended up with, it's the Schwarzenegger Batman movie. Okay. is what Batman through the, the middle 50s into the early 60s was like. Wow. And it was just not any fun. But now eventually you'd end up with what they called the new look, where they decided enough of this crap. And they took him back to being the defective as Carmine Infantino, for the most part, doing the art who did The Flash in his prime period coming back. And that lasted for a good long while until the TV show began. And then the TV show began to drift into the comic books, which was not so hot either, because that was fun now, but wasn't fun as a, as a comic book.
1: Now, a question about the television sure. show real quick. Um, you know, that, that point in the time is, is, I know you Batman said it got really silly, and he, but was Batman still Batman? I mean, do, do we, was it a big deal they're making a television show out of it, or did the show help reinvigor- well, reinvigorate the Well, the comics? funny thing
3: was the, the comics began reinvigorating themselves. They had gotten really silly. They had then decided to go back into telling real stories. Batman had become, in the late 50s, early 60s, the head of a Batman family. Right. Bat, the original Batwoman, Kathy Kane, Batgirl, and Ace the Bat Hound and Batmite and all this crap. And there's a famous picture of the, the portrait of the Bat family, and he's standing as if he had taken the picture at Sears Portrait Studio. <laughs> he was a Boy Scout, and he wasn't Batman anymore. Right. And the books began to get more serious, and then the TV show turned it the wrong way again, temporarily, but since it only lasted a couple of years, it did add Batgirl to the mix, because she came from the show first and then back into the books. Once the show went off the air, uh, Julie Schwartz was running that part of the DC line, and he hired Denny O'Neill and brought Neil Adams on board, and they're still drawing the Neil Adams Batman, the big big ears and the cape that's 47 feet long that you (laughs) wonder where he stores it. Uh, But now it was about... Dark. The Dark Knight Detective was back. And it was all those sorts of things. They introduced Raza al and Talia and, and the Man Bat and all the rest of those things. Mm-hmm. And that would eventually lead all the way through into the 70s with Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers. And uh, the book was in a really good state for a long time. And what, what you have, though, is a, a franchise that now could sustain. And it might have gone on the way they were going. You continue to tell wonderful de- detective stories and So on. And then we end up with the the lightning bolt that is Dark Knight, Mm -hmm. which just sort of changed everything. Now, unfortunately, it might have changed it for the worse as writers who are not as clever as Mm Englehart or or O'Neill or Scott Snyder today. The in-between where Batman is the punisher. Right. Yeah. Uh, Now, Demi O'Neill had always said that Batman as a character is the eight year old boy whose parents are murdered in front of him. And he's not progressed emotionally past that. And he's seeking a child's vengeance the sort of simple black and white, I need to do this. Mm -hmm. But it's the guy who wrote it, Steve. I'm just (laughs) quoting him. I disagree. Okay. Um, So where you're at from that standpoint, if you write that as a child beating up the schoolyard bully, it turns into something different than detective character who's now driven to make a difference.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And um, Frank Miller has said himself since Dark Knight Returns in in the years that he... He regrets the the tact that everyone else took mm-hmm. writing the character after his book because he says the same thing that you said, which is it's a future story about a Batman who, you know, is very far gone from the Batman who is working every day. You know, he is, you know, it's not that Batman shouldn't have psychosis and shouldn't have issues to deal with, but he shouldn't be quite as you know, unhinged as Batman is in The Dark Knight Returns because he's quite unhinged. And it's a great story, but yes, um, it's a little Mm -hmm. much. So, um, in the years after, things are taking a a turn for the worse, you think?
3: Well, they take a turn for the dark. Right, okay. And it's never quite recovered the detective edge Mm -hmm. to the stories. I mean, initially it is from detective comics, which is what the focus had been for the 70 years or 60 years leading up to 50 years leading into that. Yeah. And we then ended up with... In some cases, the Berserker Batman, who is willing to do all sorts of horrible things. Right. And that is, I think, unfortunately, way too many writers take on it. Snyder's changed that. Yeah. We have pulled that back. He's created his own set of new villains. Mm-hmm. We're now in a better place for Batman, probably for the foreseeable future, as long as people then tend to look at this as a larger story and not just.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's obviously, you know, as we go a little farther up in the future, there's obviously people who t- write. Few little runs in the book they are different like Paul Dini wrote a little mm-hmm. Batman obviously and that's you know not that quite that dark and, and crazy right. um, and you know I talked about having done the Morrison run and while Morrison's run is weird and dark he, he's not a psycho you know he's not he is a detective he has his morals firmly in place and he's dealing with a lot of things and you know Morrison actually plays on a lot of the things that you're talking about the, the time where Batman got really really silly. You know, and he brings some of that stuff back and mm-hmm. plays on it and t- turns it into you know twists it in a very Morrison way to make it part of him. Like he brings Batmite, you know, back.
3: Does he make him serious?
1: It doesn't make him serious. He's a hallucination that Bruce has when oh, okay. when uh because there's a uh, in Batman R.I.P. Uh, the, basically, the Black Hand is uh, uh Black Mask, sorry, is is doing like basically a mental attack on Bruce and Batman. Um, taking advantage of something that Bruce did when he was much younger, and when he started starting out as Batman, where he did like this, basically this trial where he basically died, and it was basically a way to him to face death so he wouldn't fear it anymore. And he's taking advantage of the things that they did to him and these experiments that he did on himself to try to get him into this place where he could be the most efficient Batman possible. They're taking advantage of those things and calling back like you know trigger words and stuff that he was using to kind of you know take him out of the game basically. Mm-hmm. And you find out that Bruce. I said this on an earlier uh, show. During this time, he actually one of the things he did to prevent these things from happening was he created a backup personality for himself, like uh, that right. was him taken back to the absolute like core of his personality. Mm-hmm. Um, it was almost a, it was like almost a backup operating system okay. like on a computer. And then, he, and then
3: he re-downloads it or something. Basically, like okay. like when,
1: when they attack his mind in this way, this one takes over. Um, and it, it's all about his thing Because the Grant Morrison run Is all about preparation Batman's thing is You win before you even Enter the fight Like you have won Or lost the fight Before you ever Step up to the plate You know And he, he, His preparation is so vast That he does this stuff You know And uh, Really really Interesting stuff And you know Batmite is kind of this Almost like Part of his personality That reminds him Of like his mission It's almost like his conscience It's almost like Jiminy Cricket Okay. In, in, in these things, <laughs> no, it's, it's oh, right that's right? The best way to put it. And he actually asks him to so go. Is it my? Am I? Am I a, are you a hallucination? Or Are you a really like a creature from another dimension? And he kind of goes like, "What? Well, really, what's the difference?"
0: Give it. a little whistle. Yeah, exactly. yes. <laughs> You know.
1: <laughs> um, so there's cool stuff like that. Um, but you know, that's the Morrison stuff. Bob you kind of collect a list for us of like sure. your favorite Batman stuff or stuff we should uh, read
3: yeah, in that sort of pre yeah, era. We'll, yeah, we're we'll going to this. So now, really quickly, again, he he appears first in Detective Twenty Seven. You don't get his origin until number 33. Oh, wow. Okay. The, the, he's the mysterious figure of the night, and he's jumping off He Still has the wings at that point. Hmm. We see Robin for the first time in Detective 38. And Batman number one, which is spring 1940, is great issues. Joker and Catwoman and Hugo Strange all in one oh, wow. giant-sized book. Now, the Catwoman at that point is just a cat burglar who steals because she likes to steal. Just <laughs> the stuff you were talking about before, Steve. From the very beginning, that's who she was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not anymore, apparently, yeah. but she was then. She liked shiny things. Right. A magpie. What?
2: what? Oh, she's like a magpie. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
3: exactly right. Um, and, and all through the... the I'm not even going to touch on the this sort of 40s. That's really way back. Lots of short stories. But you get, you get to see all those villains through there. It's, it's Two-Face and Penguin or whatever. But they're in slightly different forms. It's a different era. So I'm going to jump ahead... To Batman 156 from June of 63, which is by the only really great story in this entire year. It's called Robin Dies at Dawn. Okay. And the cover of Death in the Family is a knockoff of that old cover. Uh, it's Bill Finger's Shelley Moldoff. Batman finds himself transported to another planet with all these monsters and weird things going on. And Robin sacrifices himself for him. I'm not going any further with that, because obviously he's going to live, because right, he's got years yeah. and years of stories to tell. But it's it's a really great little piece of science fiction, as opposed to the dross that was all around it. So that's a good one. Uh, Batman 232, which is 1971, it's O'Neill and Adams' Door of the demon. Robin and Talia are kidnapped, and this is the first time we see Ra's al Ghul. And he wanders into the Batcave. Batman has already abandoned, because Dick has sort of moved out, and walks in there and says, oh, how are you do- doing, Mr. Wayne? As he's standing there in his <laughs> Batman costume, mm-hmm. how do you, wh- mm-hmm. what do what you, well, there's only one person who bought all the things that Batman needs to operate on, and it's Bruce Wayne. So it's pretty obvious, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, Bruce. And, he, and Bruce goes, well, I guess that's a hole I'm going to have to plug up. Yeah. And they end up in Calcutta in the Himalayas to try to find the two missing kids. And there are a couple of nice little reversals, because it's Raza Ghoul, after all. Um, skipping ahead just a couple of years, it's Detective 457. There is no hope in Crime Alley. It's Daniel O'Neill, Dick Giordano. Uh, it's an anir- Batman, it's the anniversary of his parents' death, and he wanders back to the same street they were murdered on, which is now called Crime Alley. And he's revisiting this, breaks up a couple of crimes, and finds an old lady wandering the streets who has an, uh, her own history in Crime Alley. Little short story that should be seen. Uh, Detective four seventy five and six. It's a Joker double feature. It's Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers who did their own great run in the seventies. It's the Laughing Fish and the Sign of the Joker. Okay. The Joker is is he's still being funny, but he's very bizarre. He's decided he can copyright. He poisons the sea so that the fish all look like the Joker. <laughs> of course. And right, what he figures he can do is copyright fish with smiles, and he can make a nickel apiece selling fish sandwiches.
4: That sounds awesome.
3: And yeah. when the copyright office tells him that he can't copyright fish, he goes insane and starts murdering everybody. I want to read this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, and in that story, we also have Silver St. Cloud, who discovers Batman's identity, too. He's yeah. pretty sloppy with this, even long before Vicky Vale got shown the Batcave by Alfred in the movie. Um... <laughs> And she has her own choice to make, and yeah. it's just a really great double double header issue. Uh, then, of course, we've got Dark Knight Returns, which we've just really yeah. discussed, and then there's Detective Five Seventy Two, which is the, actually uh, it's the anniversary, it's a fiftieth anniversary issue. Okay, it's written by Mike Barr. And we've got art by uh, Alan Davis and Carmine Infantino. It's a it's a multi generational comic book literature detective story. The Doomsday Book is. It's the uh, book in England that carries all the leases and liens and titles to properties and whatever. So it's a multinational espionage thing. And it's a time travel adventure. It takes place over 100 years, basically. You see Slam Bradley, who is a detective that Siegel and Schuster created for Detective Comics Mm 1, even before there was Batman in it. You get Sherlock Holmes and Batman and just a great, great detective story with lots of intrigue.
1: Okay, cool. Um, So, uh I. Do you have any stories, like, kind of
3: post that you want to talk about at all? Well, I figured we'd all end up talking about all of them. These later ones that you all know. The Son of the Demon graphic novel, which will probably end up being a movie one of these days. (laughs) They'll they'll have to get to that. Uh, Death in the Family, certainly, where we kill Jason Todd Uh, by by internet voting or phone voting (laughs) or whatever that was. That was
0: fantastic. Mm. I read that um, earlier this year, and uh, I almost cried. It was
3: great. Uh, I heard... It was... what was the number that won by? He won by he won dying, so to speak, by three hundred votes. Something like it was that some right? Small, yeah, the other, small the number.
0: Yeah, in the, I can check in the back. Of, well, you can check on the internet, but yeah. uh, in the back of the book, they have like a short little blurb about how that all came about. Yeah.
3: Now, one of the books I was looking through for the research, I I, I should have marked it and didn't. They actually have the other cover. Oh yeah. Where the sort of dying but won't die Jason is laying in Batman's arms as he oh, okay. gets ready to pick him up. Um. There's a killing joke, certainly, which is Absolutely, another yeah. another watershed moment, mm-hmm. which could be one of those moments that tipped everything the other way. Yeah, uh, As is year one, mm-hmm. more more than almost anything else, that's the book that really put into everyone's mind Gotham City is this cesspool of corruption and yeah. violence and hideousness. Mm-hmm. And it's never gotten past that, even though it's been earthquaked out of existence and right. buried and rebuilt and everything else. That's still in everybody's...
1: Yeah, well, I mean, but that makes sense because that's the beginning, right? Yes. But in that book as well, I mean, talking about Frank Miller's depiction of Batman, Batman is not like a psycho in Batman Year One.
3: He's a young guy making mistakes.
1: Yeah, and just wanting to do the, try to do the right thing and save the place he's from. You know, much like, you know, those themes are very present in like Batman Begins, Mm -hmm. very, very much so. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's like, I feel like that's more of what like Snyder models his Batman after is the Batman in Year One. In, in a lot of ways. Um,
3: I think what tends to happen with a lot of art of any kind, whether it's movies, comics, music, there are people who look at the roots of things mm-hmm. as, as Snyder did and Miller was yeah. too because he went back to the vigilante Batman of, of the 40s mm-hmm. and, and carves out what, what's the core of the character, moves it forward, tells a new story with the same pieces, yeah, but knows what the roots are and understands them. If you go too far out and if, it's, it's if you're a filmmaker and all you've studied is Spielberg and up as good as filmmaker as he is, and not looked at Hitchcock or Eisenstein, you don't understand how it works,
1: right? Yeah,
3: and so it's not getting the mechanism,
1: right? I, absolutely. Um, so who's your favorite Batman writer? Danny O'Neill. Danny O'Neill, okay, great.
3: Hmm. How about for you guys?
1: Um, I mean, for me, it's a Scott Snyder, probably just because it's the most present thing in my mind, okay? Yes, um, I, I love, I mean, I love Frank Miller stuff. Absolutely, and I really have taken to the Grant Morrison stuff quite a bit. I mean, I would say we talked about Batman R.I.P. That's a book that people should definitely read. Um, the uh, the End of Batman and Son, which is the Batman 666 story, which is the Damien in the future as Batman, which you, yeah, it was great. which you read. It's just great. It's a great one-off little story that people should definitely definitely check out. Um,
0: and Batman Inc. Is, is great. The whole run of Batman Inc. I like uh, some of Paul, uh, Paul Dini's stories are mm-hmm. very good as well. Yeah,
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there, his, there's the It's grim, but not Gritty. I yeah. don't know. Maybe I'm splitting that infinitive. Yeah, no, badly. I think you're but, right about yeah. that.
1: There's definitely grimness to it. Um, Seventy. I know that you're not probably not like. I don't think you've been like a uh, religious Batman reader or anything. But um, what do you think of the character, and what are some things that you like about it?
2: Uh, I mean, again, you're right. I haven't been like someone who's been really, really, really into Batman. I love Batman. I love the movies. Um, even the hokey ones are fun and the worst kind of way. Yes. Um, as far as the comics go, I, I think Scott Snyder, uh, Scott Snyder's run is the first one I've really um, religiously read. Mm-hmm. Everything else has been uh, collected in trade paperback. Um, I mean, I, I love that even when Batman is matched up to someone who is so physically um more capable of destroying him he'll almost always still win in Mm -hmm. some way or another he just knows how to he's like sherlock holmes
1: yes just true yeah
2: he's clever and he knows how to use his wits and his brain to make things happen like he doesn't panic it's just like all right i'm getting my ass fucking kicked how do i stop this because it hurts Uh (laughs) and um it I, i don't know there's just something really cool about a character that is so as flawed as Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Um, cause he's not always a good person. In fact, I think there's probably more times when he's kind of a bad person <laughs> than he is a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's always just kind of tormented. And I mean, sometimes depending on the writer, they can kind of get a bit, uh, much as far as the tormented, yeah. he gets a bit almost borderline emo, like, right. Oh my life! <laughs> <laughs> um, my but I
4: mean,
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. Batman, yeah, yeah. Well, it's Batman. funny you How mentioned, can you not love Batman yeah. in the end.
3: It's funny you um, mentioned Sherlock Holmes. Danny O'Neill was always said that he's a combination of the world's greatest athlete and Sherlock Holmes, right? Which makes for a very compelling kind of story because just you were saying, Steph, he can figure a way out of a situation that nobody else can, yeah. And uses physicality to do it. He's not just Sherlock Holmes. There's something else there too. Yeah,
2: he's probably got some form of autism.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, there's that Superman Doomsday, Superman Batman Doomsday movie where they go to, you know, uh, Dark Side's planet or whatever, and uh, and you know, there's this crazy battle going on, and like you know, everybody's fighting and punching, and Batman just kind of goes away and finds <laughs> this room where you know he realizes that this is like kind of the linchpin, almost like you know, the place where they shoot. The weak spot in the Death Star. He goes there. He looks at it. He goes back to Dark Side and he says, "Look, you can either keep doing this, or I can just destroy you. I'll hit this button. I'll blow up your entire planet, and yeah. we'll both die. But either you can do that, or you can just let us go, and we'll leave. And he has to let him go, you know. Yeah. And that's what Batman does. Batman is not to throw a punch. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to throw a punch. He doesn't. He thinks his way out of those situations." Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to forget, too, the, the Kevin Smith Batman stuff is very good. The Cacophony and the Widening Gyre are both yes. really, really good. And you oh. spoke of Silver St. Cloud, and she is in yes. the Widening Gyre and a I'm big part of that.
3: Which I'm still waiting for the second part of. For He
1: the, talked the, about it. He talked about they're their working on the second part now. So it's going to okay. come. It's not not It's been years, but it's going to come.
3: Well, I find, uh, just quickly, Batman just being so adaptable, the Elseworlds things that Batman is in have been better than almost any of the other ones. Okay. Because you have the... That character is so strong, so you can stick him in the Middle Ages or the future, and it all seems to work.
1: Right? Yeah, absolutely. Steve, you anything else you want to add about the Batman?
0: I love Batman. (laughs) 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 I mean, he's also brought us the Bat Family, which is you know. I just I you know Batman is like I said um, we you know back when we started this or or pretty much always. We always talk about what we did before this, and Batman was the only thing, uh, really, aside from maybe a couple of other independents uh, like Lenore and uh, Johnny the Homicidal mm. Maniac, the more gothy side of, of my taste. But um, Batman was always, ever since I was a little kid. I don't, I don't even remember why, but it was there was something about him. There was something about the image of him. You know, he's always trying to. They're always making an emphasis of him wanting to strike fear into the hearts of the villains, and he wanted a he wanted to intimidate them. And for as long as I can remember, looking on the shelves and looking at all the different heroes, Batman just stood out to me. He was the most iconic um, character that I'd found, and plus the the Rogues gallery that he has, just all of those all those villains. They're so classic and yeah. they're so clever, and when they're written well. They're some of the best villains in comics. Absolutely. Um, all the different relationships that he's had, all the the different uh, moving around of who's wearing the suit, um, and all the great characters that we got as a result of that that have had their own spinoffs and become their own heroes, and some of them that are almost as good as Batman. Yeah. You know, I mean, it always goes back to him, but Batwoman, Batgirl, um, really liking Damien and, mm-hmm. you know, the other Robins, and there's just... There's so much comic history tied to a character. I mean, there are characters that have been around forever that have never even come close to leaving the mark that Batman has. Absolutely, yeah. And um I think even if he's not your favorite character, that he's a character that should be respected within the comic community mm-hmm. and that you should at least recognize how much of an influence he's had on on a lot of th- a lot yeah. of things. Um, And I'm just overjoyed that Scott Snyder has done such an incredible job with his run and that he's going to be on the book for quite a while. And um, it'll be, you know, it's a long time from now, but it'll be really interesting to see Like what kind of who takes over or what kind of I mean, we don't need to worry about that for a long time. But I'm just I'm hoping that what he's doing and the the new history that he's making with the character will be respected Mm -hmm. and will be um, looked at as like you're talking about on model. I think that if anybody was capable of making a new model for Batman, that Scott Snyder's (laughs) Batman is the one to use. And that if you used that as your model for the next iteration, I think that would be great.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I got to say, I think part of the thing, at least with like our generation, with Batman being kind of ingrained in our brains, I mean, you know, we were all around like six, seven years old when that Batman movie came out, when the mm-hmm. Tim Burton Batman movie came out. I saw and, that in the theaters. And, yeah, and that was a phenomenon, and it was... That was really my first exposure to Batman. I mean, I think I probably seen when I was younger, maybe episodes of the TV show that were on that reruns. Was, that was the
0: thing about me. I I forgot to mention this really quick. I didn't mean to cut you off, mm-hmm. but um, okay. I I grew up. We we had like one of those like you know like family friends that are introduced to you as like your uncle, your aunt. They're yeah. just really good friends of your parents. Um, they had a beach house and they lived there all year round. And one of the things to do was when it was like winter or it was too cold or whatever. Um, We would all watch TV. I saw the premiere of the first Simpsons episode in that house. I remember it. Uh, And one of the things that was constantly on it was the Twilight Zone, uh, Planet of the Apes reruns, and Batman. Batman all the time (laughs) whatever they were doing back then with that channel where they were running like marathons of it I'm talking like six eight ten episodes in a row Mm -hmm. where everybody just sat around with hot chocolate on the wicker couches and I got so much Batman that like when I (laughs) fell asleep at night I was Batman (laughs) so um that was the thing like that was regardless of how much I didn't pay attention to comics I he was always around yeah uh for me mm-hmm. and you know when I found the sets uh at Bob's place yeah. I mean I was in heaven yeah so it was like a you know a, a getting into a time machine for
1: me <laughs> yeah I mean I just remember like so much of that it took me a while to get used to because the Tim Burton Batman was really my first Batman and so it took me a while to get used to other iterations of the character mm-hmm. like I was as a kid I was so against like the blue and gray like Batman okay. thing I was so against it. I was like it looks stupid I was like, he should why, be all. Why black. is he
3: wearing pajamas? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: <clears throat> and obviously, I've gotten used to. That and obviously, it's a look that I love, especially because the animated
0: series kind of, you know, gets you in tune with all that stuff too. <laughs> but um, I always loved the rhythm of Adam West's Batman delivery, his <laughs> deduction. And I remember thinking, a they had they had a bat something for everything. Yes, they did. There was nothing, and then I always got a kick out of that machine that they have in the Bat Cave. Where there's never any kind of text on any of the buttons, anybody that uses these machines, I understand yeah. it's easier to draw that way, yeah. but they like they don't just press buttons with their fingers, they use like all four of their fingers, kind yeah. of in like you know claws, yeah, and they just chunk 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 yeah. chunk, chunk 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 chunk, yeah. and it spits out like you know your taxes yeah and it's it tells you in this bat code yeah. what's going on in the city at all times, yeah. and I remember thinking even as a kid like. What the? Like, mm. There's no internet. There's no, you know, like how does he do this? What <laughs> the
3: back computer? Well, that's the thing. Yeah. It
0: was the back computer, and then I w- started to wonder how they changed into their outfits while going down those poles. <laughs> and once I reached that conclusion, I gave up. Yeah, yeah. there's no so reason. I'm never going to figure this out. Well, yeah. the funny
3: thing is, on your set, there's one of the extras where it's the original screen testing that Bert and Adam are doing, and at that point, they were doing it seriously. Mm. So it's the same dialogue, but delivered without the eyebrows raised. Right. They don't go down the poles. They walk behind the staircase that's behind the clock Mm -hmm. to a bat cave that's purple and black and dark, and there are no little labels. It's (laughs) just machinery. Right. And the, the producer, William Dozier thought comic books were stupid, that Batman was stupid and decided, well, we'll just do it this way and have fun. yeah. And the comic book people were appalled, right. Yeah. I said, what are you doing? Yeah, We're trying to tell a serious story after years and years of Batmite. yeah, and now you're doing this to us, right. Um, but all that is why it's some we've never done one of these lists. we will someday, I guess, but um, the Tim Burton Batman movie is the most important superhero movie to me. okay. Because as good as Superman was and you'll believe a man who can fly and so on, That came from a place where there was a serious television show in the 50s. Yeah. So it wasn't that big a leap. As a matter of fact, it's even a step backwards because he's a little sillier than George Reeves Mm -hmm. was. But to have Michael Keaton standing on a rooftop going, you know, tell your friends, I'm Batman. He's going (laughs) to drop this guy off a roof. (laughs) It's You sat there. I was an adult and I sat there in the theater gasping. It's holy crap. This Mm -hmm. is the Batman I want to see. They were doing the 60s Diddy O'Neill, Neil Neil Adams Batman.
1: Right. Right. And I mean, obviously that movie does some things wrong. Yeah. Batman literally shoots at the Joker from his airplane yes. with bullets, which that's not what Batman does. Um, is it as bad as Superman making his his chest symbol into a net that he puts over people? No, no. <laughs> but it's still a little bit. It's a little off model. Um, and you know, you know, you never really. We still haven't really gotten to see Batman as detective in any of these movies, like as like hardcore
3: detective. No. His is uh, Keaton's closer.
1: He's closer, but he's but still, still not, not there. the same. Yeah. No. Um, and you don't get that sense. I, I feel like you don't get quite the sense in Keaton of the crusading Batman. You know, he he doesn't seem like I- I'm trying to make up for things. I'm 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 forced to do these things. Like m- m- I'm compelled to do these things. You know, which is a problem. And those movies are very good. But you know, <clears throat> and there's not a ton of like. Uh, there's one moment. It's such a. There's two moments of Batman Returns actually. Um, and Kevin Smith talks about these all the time too. But there are moments. There's a moment where, you know, Max Shrek, you know, in the second movie is like, oh, you know, you're going to get a key to the city. I'm going to, you know, and he's like, shut up, you're going to jail. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, that's such a Batman thing to do, you know. And there's one moment Batman returns that I always think about. You know, Batman's in the sewers in like the bat boat yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And the penguins have like the rockets on them and they shoot at him. He does all the spins and he misses them. And he does this little subtle thing where he just kind of like looks back, like out of the side of his eyes, like, yeah what the hell yeah. just happened yeah. I almost got killed by penguins with rockets <laughs> on yeah. their backs you know
3: yeah they're in a different movie than he is <laughs>
1: exactly yeah which I love that kind of stuff but
0: I know, love Danny DeVito as the penguin in that movie <laughs> I thought he did a great job
1: he's crazy in that movie but those movies defined my my Batman for a long time and it's taken a long time for me to get you know out of that mode but um, yeah it's it's crazy a character that has been around for so long can mean so many different things to different people and before we, we, we close this out you haven't gotten this place in Dark Knight Return so I'm not going to spoil exactly what happens or what have you but I appreciate that the, the very end I, I, I think in all the times I've read Batman I've seen Batman I think is the quintessential Batman thing when he fights Superman I think it's like the Batman thing he just mm-hmm. the way he goes about it is just it's spectacular and, the, the, and as Stephanie mentioned it before about him going up against somebody you should be able to just snuff him out with, with a flick of their finger yeah. And he mm. manages to hold his own. And that's just, it's pretty amazing. Um, well,
3: the line without it being t- really spoiler is, I've been preparing for years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which you'd end up seeing now as, as through yeah. uh, so many other stories now yeah, with him. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so anything else you want to say about, about Batman well, before we re- close it out?
3: Really quickly, there was a wonderful, what turns out to have been an April Fool's joke many years ago by Mark Millar for comic book resources where he's, he had said some friend of his had come across some notes from Orson Welles that in 1947, he was going to make a Batman movie. <laughs> now, comic book creators had looked at Citizen Kane for camera angles and odd things, and it turns out that Wells had been influenced by comic books, particularly Will Eisner, in making his own movie. Okay. So it seemed to make sense. Now, he went down to the point of, of reproducing uh, drawings of characters and, and casting things and whatever... And claiming they were from Greg Toland, who is a cinematographer. (laughs) And that Orson wanted to play Batman. But in 47, he's not the guy selling wine. He's not that fat guy. He was rather fit. But the studio wanted Gregory Peck. Which in 47 would have made a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. They also knew each other. They had been in movies together. And they start casting the rest of this movie with people who who had holes in their schedule and whatever. So Marlena Dietrich is the Catwoman. Okay, Basil Rathbone as the Joker, <laughs> Jimmy Cagney as the Riddler, uh, George Raft as Two-Face, and they played this out. This was an internet sensation five, six years ago, and everyone bought it because you could look at their IMDB pages and see holes in everyone's schedule. Well, that could have worked, and th- this could have worked, until someone pointed out that they didn't create the Riddler till after this movie was supposed oh. to have been made and the whole thing fell apart. Mm-hmm. Millar said, oh, I'm sorry, but it, it was fun, right? <laughs> you all got, got a blast. All I know is I want to see the animated movie of this <laughs> with those faces, you know, drawing, yeah. Basil Rathbone who played Sherlock Holmes for years during the 30s and 40s could be the Joker. It mm-hmm. could, so, do the Alex Ross thing and do a, a, a you know a yeah. realistic painting of that. And I want to see this animated movie someday. So that's it for me. A, All right. A, a, an imaginary story from the real world.
1: <laughs> we have a couple of quick like, listener comments and huh? questions. Um, uh, Jason Gentry says, In what world does the government let this man keep adopting children? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Colin Parvin wants to know, Whatever happened to Aunt Harriet?
3: She, uh, I can tell you where she got added in. They killed off Alfred after the Dr. Wortham thing. Oh, okay. They were so concerned with having three guys in the house, they assumed they'd add a woman to the mix and make it Aunt Harriet. But in the TV show, she was not supposed to be the aunt. She was supposed to just be a maid. Mm-hmm. And they, they figured that was bad. We're having Alfred and the maid. Lord knows what they were doing in some back bedroom. <laughs> so we'll make her Aunt Harriet.
1: Ooh, <laughs> That's really funny. Um, I mean, who Perry asked, when do you feel the turn towards the modern, darker Batman happened? We talked about yep. that. Dark Knight Returns was really kind of where it started. Um uh, Refstones wants to know when does Bob believe that Batman overtook Superman to become DC's signature character, or Golden Goose, so to speak.
3: I'm, it's probably the same period. You're, mm-hmm. you're looking at the Dark Knight and Year One fuel the idea of making those movies. Michael Eisner right. getting those movies made, and it's after that because you, you would, after the crisis, Superman had been rebooted by John Byrne. That kind of vanished after a while. You know that they they rebooted. Four times since on Superman. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Yeah, it's maybe 1990, 91.
1: Okay. It's funny because Crisis Infinite Earths, Batman's barely in it. He's yes. not even like a thing in it, really, which is crazy when you think about it because all the other ones, he's like a central figure. Yeah, in it's in Superman,
3: Supergirl. Yeah. You get the Earth 2 Superman. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And uh says one more thing. He says, fun fact, the word Batman first actually appeared in Detective Comics number 26 in the advert for number 27. Yes. Hashtag geekology, he wrote.
3: <laughs> and, and probably hyphenated. it.
1: Probably, yes, probably. Um, so that's it for our, our Batman talk. Um, really funny, real quick. Uh, uh, Avatar Loki, who is on, you know, obviously always comments mm-hmm. on our board, and we, we, mm-hmm. we appreciate it. He wants to know that. us know Because I talked about last, year, about last year, last show, about Team 7 and all these teams and everything that popped up, and how it was ridiculous. He actually made a timeline of, like, when everything popped up. Um, I'm gonna post it uh, on the site On on the post thing So everybody can take a look at it But I want everyone to know it's there And to appreciate the work that he put into it Um, We got a really, really nice email uh, From James Uh, He says How are all of you? My name is James Conwell And I'm a frequent listener to the show And visitor to the site I go to school at Michigan State University Studying human and microbiology full time And have a roommate So it's hard to keep up with the podcast However, I'm only one week behind. The reason I'm mm-hmm. writing to you guys is more of a personal one. I will start by saying thank you for being having such an excellent show. You guys really get me excited for the bike rides in my comic book shop every week, and I really enjoy the conversations you carry on during the show. You guys always have interesting topics and cover wonderful things that no other comic book site really thinks to cover, and that is why I'm writing to you. I wanted to say that after listening to your podcast over the past five or six months, not only have you guys gotten me more into comics, you guys have gotten me more emotionally invested in them, into them. All of you put your heart into the show, and your true personalities come out with, with this medium. As a result, I feel like I know a bit about you guys. Due to this, I've become more excited about your show more than a lot of things during my week. You guys make comics more awesome, and that, is, and that is saying something. Thanks for letting me into your lives every week, and thanks for making every Wednesday a bit better than it would be. You guys seem like wonderful people, and I know this sounds odd, but through your show, I feel as though I've met each of you briefly, and I'm glad to have met you all. Anyway, thank you for everything. Wow so thank you so much James. that yeah. was a really really sweet email and I really really appreciate it um oceans <laughs> yes <laughs> um, yeah it was really really nice um, we actually got another question from Adam who's from Tokyo oh wow cool. uh, yeah he said he wrote Bob an email about two months ago and he gave me a pretty nice list of Marvel books to check out he's always been a DC guy I found that I've been making the switch over to more Marvel books recently so I guess I have Bob to blame for the switch <laughs> <laughs> only kidding no blame just many thanks Anyway anyway, my question is this How long does it typically Take you guys to write up Reviews for a book I ask because I try to Write up reviews for my blog Just as a hobby And occasionally I feel like I spend too much time With writing and rewriting What I want to say um, So thank you Adam For your question uh, Steve you want to take it first
0: Yeah <laughs> It took me about two hours Two and a half hours To write my Catwoman Zero review mm-hmm. um, I think it really depends A lot on um, how you feel About the book Whether you liked it Or disliked it I used to think that it was easier to write a review for something that you didn't like. Mm -hmm. Um, I found when we first started this that it was perhaps a bit more fun to write about something that I didn't like because I felt like maybe I could get a little bit more creative with it. Right. But then it started to blur a little bit because you have to remember that, you know, you want people to read this stuff that you have to be critical and honest without being insulting. Nice. And that's a major, major, major part of this. Um, you know, one one book does not represent somebody's entire, uh, you know, their ability to to write a series or a run. And um, I find that it's it's better to to be critical, but at the same time, to try to remain optimistic mm-hmm. and and try to give like something with Catwoman Zero, where it's you know it's uh, Senti's first uh, go at this. It's just. I was very disappointed by it, but I'm not writing it off just yet because, like I said, sometimes it takes people a little bit of time to to get their footing. Some people pick it up right away. Others don't. Uh, And there could be some really good stories, you know, coming our way. We don't know. Um, But as far as how long it takes to write, it's really just a matter of what you have to say and, and, and how how quickly you're able to, to put your thoughts together. I know that when I really like something and I'm really excited, it's very easy to write about it, but you also don't want to sound generic and you don't want to repeat yourself. Yeah, um, That's one of the harder things to do when you're covering a particular book. I've been running into that with uh, The Walking Dead mm-hmm. since issue number 100. I mean, that book is just, it's always very good. There's there's very little about it to criticize. And when you're writing a review, you know, three times, four times, you kind of like you got your hands up in the air and being like look people it's the walking dead you know the walking dead it's yeah. it continues to be amazing go buy it you know and and you t- you talk about what happened ever so briefly not to spoil things but um I don't know I I'm kind of losing track of myself so I'll let somebody <laughs> yeah. else go
1: you know for me it's interesting because you know I I think that we as a site every review try to make them unique you know um it's the benefit of us being an independent you know kind of situation we're not we're not getting paid to do this and we're not answering to people who are paying us and we're not we want traffic to be good in the site but mm-hmm. we're not beholden to traffic being good in the site so we don't have to review every issue of a, a comic we don't have to, you know uh, so we tend to take i think uh, more time than people take on other reviews, just because we can and I know. For me, I wanted to make. I want to make every review as unique as I possibly can, like you were saying, Steve.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I find it's hard, especially with comics, much harder than movies and such, to do it because every month you have a new book, or two times a month you have a new book, and you know stuff happens in every book, but not that much changes in every issue, so it becomes difficult to come up with new things to say, as Steve was saying. So you know, my reviews probably take longer than they should. They probably take a couple hours for me to write reviews. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I think take as long as you need to, to write your reviews, especially if you're doing it on your own time. You know, don't worry about output. Worry about writing the best review that you can write, and then you'll, you'll get better at it. You get quicker at it when you know and stuff. But you know, let yourself take the time you need. I don't know, Bob. Hmm. What about you?
3: I can get my thoughts down in about an hour and a half, mm-hmm. give or take. You know, I, I, it's two albums basically playing. <laughs> it's kind of how I think of it, and maybe two glasses of wine. My problem is going backwards, and I'm a fanatic about the rhythm of sentences and syllables and whatever, so I'll write down three words and erase five. Okay. And so once it's down, it starts to get whittled the other way or expanded and whatever, and then sometimes I don't ever shut up, and what should have been 300 words becomes a 1,000. Right. <laughs> which you have to deal with, unfortunately.
1: <laughs> That's perfectly fine. Um, Stephanie, what about you?
2: Um, as far as reviews go, it's I I, I think what Steve said, you, I believe you mentioned that it's easier to write Reviews for bad things. Is that what you said, Steve? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, I I do comic book reviews, and I also do movie reviews, too. And um, I find that, I mean, it's always easy to review something that's either really bad or really good. Everything in the middle is kind of Hmm. really hard to put words to because um, it's something that just kind of fades from my mind if it was um, on – neither end of things Mm -hmm. um yeah so i I don't know it's reviewing can be tough it's not for everyone and not to say that you should give up if you like doing it um but it can be hard to really kind of um look at the pros and cons of a book even if it's bad
1: yeah absolutely absolutely yeah um and it's also tough sometimes you, you fall in these traps where you want to make your point and you don't quite know the phrasing to make the point and you it's easy yeah. to slip into things by saying like oh everybody thinks this or I heard people you know you want to avoid stuff like that yeah. you know that's that stuff is really a, yeah. a dangerous trap to fall into because um, yeah sorry Stephanie go ahead
2: yeah like it's a fine line between being a troll and being somebody who's pre- providing creative criticism for a writer um, with the internet being so like and Twitter and Facebook and all these things making it easy for you know the actual people who write these things and draw these books like you know to see the reviews um, you want to be fair about everything you want to say why it works why it doesn't work Yeah. and if you're just like it's so stupid don't buy it it's like the words just mm-hmm. don't just stay away from it because it's just stupid mm-hmm. you're a troll you're being a troll Yeah. and you're not providing anything to your reader or you know if it so happens that the person who put this book together reads it. You're not providing any feedback to make this book better for next time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah. I like to think of it as if this person was reading it, what could I say to possibly help them make it better?
0: It's a really good point. Steve. Um, one of the things that um, I find with writing reviews and everything is um, try to be careful as to how casual you are about your writing. Um, one of the things that I've been noticing about my own writing lately, um, I also do a animation column called Ink and Pixel for com every other week. And the last few entries that I've done, and especially the one, I'm working on one for Toy Story right now, um, I write them as if I'm just talking to people. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm starting to write them as if people already know me. Mm-hmm. Like I've been doing it for the better part of a year and I feel like the, the people that are coming back to see the, the column, that's the same people. Right. So I'm getting a little bit more laid back with mm-hmm. like the language of and stuff. And I mean, that's fine in some instances, but you really have to be careful about that because sometimes your personality, and if you're trying to be laid back and casual about something, doesn't always come across on on the page Mm -hmm. um that unless people know like the rhythm of your voice or the way that your delivery they're not always going to catch that yeah so be careful with that kind of stuff um and like bobby was saying i mean take as much time as you need especially if you know you're not getting paid and you're on Mm -hmm. your own time um you're doing it because you like it and because you're passionate about it or even just as a writing exercise yeah um and one more thing, um, and I'm guilty of this as well. I mean, there have been so many times where I've posted something. I've read it after it posted and being like, ah, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, reread your stuff. Reread yeah. your stuff for for pacing, mm-hmm. for typos, mm-hmm. mistakes, or or even rereading your own words. You might discover that you felt differently yeah. about it after rereading all of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And you might say, well, this isn't a good way to cap it off. I have right. to explain this mm-hmm. a little bit further. Because I told you I didn't like it, but I didn't tell you why. Yeah, absolutely. that's a good point.
3: Well, well, uh, one other thing t- for me is I try to put my own head, particularly if I'm saying something negative, I'm not counting that the worst comic book adaptations, which is written as pure comedy, <laughs> and made someone go to therapy, which I, I apologize <laughs> for. Still, I'm not sending them a check anyhow. Um, understand why other people like something. Mm-hmm. Then don't turn turn that into an attack as to why they like it, but understand what clicks for somebody else. Yeah. So that then you get a better handle on it, which you may change, not change your opinion, at least change the way you approach writing your opinion.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, it's different for everybody as well, because the situation we're in now, when we started this thing, nobody was really reading the site. We were just kind of doing it to do it and, you know, kind of build something. And now we're at the point where people actually come to the site and read the reviews. And so we have to function a little bit too as sort of like, almost a buying guide for people in some cases because some people trust our opinion mm-hmm. enough that if we say we like a book they're going to buy the book. The you know? power. We get
0: yelled at every week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's more It's more so now the past few weeks people yeah. have been like yo you guys yeah. have really got to stop. Yeah. And that's, and the, that's awesome.
1: Like it's yeah. great to have that feeling um, but you have the opportunity that if you're just writing to write you know you don't necessarily have to write a review like you've read a thousand other places. You know you have the opportunity to do whatever you want to do you know and Make it your own, because you'll have more fun doing it. And it will come out easier
3: yeah find your voice
0: exactly um try not to read other people's reviews before you write your own, yeah, because you'll absolutely. find a lot of the times that their thoughts influence you. It's one yes, thing yeah. to to you know have somebody clear up the flaws that you were trying to get a grasp on, yeah, but then you find that they brought things to light that you otherwise didn't think in the beginning, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's good to to see an opinion that wasn't you know didn't cover that ground, yeah,
1: and the only thing I'll say is this. This is a mis, you know, misconception of a lot of people. Writing is is hard. Like it's not hard like breaking rocks hard, you know, it's not uh-huh. hard like manual labor hard, but it's a difficult thing to do. And it's not gonna be easy. You're not gonna sit there and it's not just gonna pour out of you and every word's gonna be perfect and that's not how it works. It's work. You're gonna have to you have to struggle with it. You're gonna your sentence structure is gonna be bad at first, the way you order things is gonna mm-hmm. be bad, your pacing is gonna be bad, your ideas are gonna be unclear, unless you I mean you're like amazing, you know. You've gotta work through that and you've gotta rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. And anybody who says, "Listen, you, I'm bad at grammar," you have to get better at it. You have to read over and you read and read. There's no excuse if you want to be a writer if you can't start learning those things. You know, you can you can be bad at them and you can have people help you who are better at it. But you've got to be able to recognize your own mistakes at least, even if you don't know how to correct them. So and,
0: and don't skimp on your social media. I know plenty <laughs> of people who do write professionally. But then butcher their own words on Twitter or Facebook or anything. <laughs> if you let up on it for those things to, you know, like I said, to be casual, it's a bad practice. Mm. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I write into the the your, your, and your. Oh, yeah, or the yeah, their, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. their problem. Yeah. There's no excuse. Yeah. Those like,
1: are things you can correct very easily. Um, but again, it's all about being right. It's all about experience. Um, so thank you, everybody, for your emails and your Twitter. Uh, again, Uh, you know, we, I posted on Twitter 30 minutes before we did the show to ask for questions about Batman and we got like four of them. So that's great. It's, you know, it's humbling. All right. So let's get into what's on the shelves right now. Uh, from boom studios, we have adventure time. Number eight. We have Clive Barker's hellraiser. Number 18. Elric, the balance lost. Number 12. (laughs) Uh, higher earth. Number five. Isn't and that, uh, sorry, Joe's. Oh, it is Joe Asma's. Yeah, yes. he is the artist on that book, huh? um, guest yeah. artist. And uh, Steed and Mrs. Peel number one. Yeah, Are <laughs> you sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: Well, I thought it was number two somehow, but it has to be number one. The yeah. other one was zero.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, from Dark Horse, we have Angela and Faith number fourteen. We have Axe Cop, President of the World, number three of three. Great
3: title. I don't know what it is, but it's a great title. Uh, yeah, I I've heard good things.
1: Yeah, uh, David Short, who reviewed it, loves it. Uh, oh, okay. BPRD, Hell on Earth, The Return of the Master, number two of five, Me. which is actually issue 99 of BPRD. Ooh. Uh, we have, um, sorry, we have Goon, number 42, Mind Management, number five. sure yeah and Star Wars Darth Maul death sentence number three of <laughs> <laughs> always a Star Wars yep. I have no idea how good any of them are but they have ridiculous titles there yeah. is a
0: kid in tour comics that buys every Star oh, yeah? Wars issue and I feel bad because every week I snicker <laughs> or make some kind of derogatory <laughs> grunt and every time I do it he like you know timidly reaches over for the issue and he's mm-hmm. like, I'll Aww. take one of those and I just feel like a dick <laughs> well now yeah, that you you're the person these-
2: that makes it hard for people to shop at comic stores
0: <laughs> you're the guy, Steve. Hey, look, if you stand in my spot, there's going to be problems.
1: I can't believe you're reading that. (laughs) Troll. I'm a troll now? Just funnin'. Awesome. Awesome. Um, From DC Comics, we have All-Star Western number zero, American Vampire number 31, uh, Aquaman number zero. Um, We have... Oh, there's a lot of toys that are coming out. We have Batman Incorporated (laughs) number zero, uh, Batman the Dark Knight number zero, uh, before Watchmen, Osmandius number three. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm not excited about that at all. Uh, Flash, number zero. I, Vampire, number zero. Justice League Dark, number zero. Uh, National Comics, Rose and Thorn, number one. I'll be checking that out. Uh, New Dead Wardians, number seven. Uh, Phantom Lady, number two of four. Uh, Red Lanterns, number zero. Savage Hawkman, number zero. Superman, number zero. Talon, number zero, which is the start of a new series. James yep, yeah. um, And Teen Titans, number zero. And the final issue of Voodoo, which is number zero. Uh, Dynamite, we have Kevin Smith's The Bionic Man, number 13. Queen, Sonia number 32. Shadow, annual, number one. Hmm. Spider, number five. And Vampirella, number 23. Um, IDW, we have... Fine and Private Place, number one of five. Uh, G.I. Joe, a real American hero, number 182. (laughs) (laughs) Hawken, number six. Um, We have Magic the Gathering, the Spell Thief, number three. Oh, boy. We have Mars Attacks, (laughs) number four. We have Popeye, number five. Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow, number 17. Uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, Doctor Who, Assimilated 2, number 5. You're making that up. Nope. (laughs) Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 14. Um, Transformers.
3: More Than Meets the Eye. Yes. Uh, I'm I'm in a rhythm with those now.
1: (laughs) Number 4. Sorry, number 9. Sorry. And... Uh Transformers Robots in Disguise Annual
3: 2012. Oh, now I'm now I'm totally felled for next week.
1: I know. Image Comics. We have Dancer number five. Debris number three of four. Yay! Elephant Elephant Men number 43. We have Happy Number 1. Sweet. Uh Invincible number 95. Mind the Gap number five. Yay. Prophet number twenty-nine. Skull Kickers number eighteen. <laughs> Super Dinosaur number fourteen. Super Dinosaur. <laughs> Witchblade number one sixty. And Youngblood, number uh, 74. There's also The Milkman Murders uh, hardcover
0: that's coming
3: out. Um, Hmm. uh, Would you rather see super dinosaurs or dinosaurs with rocket packs?
0: Well, I saw both uh, last week. Yeah. In, uh, in an issue. There were... Uh, oh, that was in uh, Rocketeer. Rocketeer. Oh, right. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Cargo of Doom number yeah. two. It yeah. was uh, some dinosaur jetpack <laughs>
1: Um From Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man number 694. Woot. Astonishing X-Men number 54. Yay. Uh, Captain America and Black Widow number 637. <laughs> Captain Marvel number four. <laughs> yes. yes. Um, Deadpool number 61. Uh, FF number 22, yeah. Fury Max number 6, Gambit number 3, <laughs> Hit Girl number 3, Incredible Hulk number 14, Invincible Iron Man number 525. Um what else we got here? Punisher number 16, Secret Avengers number 31, Space Punisher number 3 of 4. <laughs> uh Takio number 3. Sweet. Ultimate Comics The Ultimates number 16. Um Really? Yeah. Ultimates just came out this past week. It's come out again? Wow. Uh, Winter Soldier number 11, Uh, Wolverine number 313, Wolverine the X Men number 17, X Men number 36, X Men Legacy number 247, and Extreme
3: X Men number 4. Extra large X Men, they should have.
1: Uh, From Oni Press, we have Six Gun number 25. And from, do we have any sense? Yeah, Zenoscope, we have. (laughs) Of course. Grim Fairy Tales presents Godstorm number 0. No idea. Uh, And Grim Fairy Tales presents Wonderland number 3. Yay. So. That is this week's releases. Um, thank you, everybody, uh, who wrote in. Again, if you want to know how to get in contact with us, it's at Talking Comics on Twitter. Info at talkingcomicbooks.com is the email address. talkingcomicbooks.com is the website. Uh, our Facebook group now, um, you know, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics has a forum up there, so you guys can make topics, you join in discussions. Um, uh, so we're really happy about that. So thank you, Stephanie, for setting that up.
2: You're hey, welcome. It's going
4: to be so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> Enthusiasm through
1: yeah. the roof. All <laughs> uh, right. Um, so that is it for our show. Oh, our personal Twitter. Sorry.
0: I'm at Bobby Shortle. Steve. Uh, I am at Dead underscore Anchorus. Stephanie.
3: Hello, Cookie. And Bob's email. Bob Reier at talkingcomicbooks.com.
1: Absolutely. All right. Again, guys, thank you so much for that. Uh, that's the end of our show. So for Steve. See you later. Bob. Ciao. And Stephanie. I have been Bobby Until next time on Talking Comics To be continued